Okay? And if I don't deal with them, it literally infects me. Not my physical body. It infects my soul. And I'll live away if I've made a mess of me. And so these guys and gals are going to do this drama this morning to help me out here a little bit. Watch this intently and this will really help you. It'll set the table. It's a little edgy. It comes from the, the group Switchfoot. But it will be a blessing. Come on, guys. And some of you say, well, Pastor, how did you know what that was? Well, my wife taught me that for years. <laughs> God bless each other. And I believe this will help you this morning. If you need a Bible, raise your hand up real quickly. Thank you, guys. Real quick and, and get your hand up to get a Bible. And then go with me to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9. Now, if you're a person that's here today and you can say, that's me. I've made a mess out of me. Well... You're at the right place, because I believe each one of us here at one time or another have done that. And so I'm going to show you two passages of Scripture here um, that'll help us, one in the Old Testament, some in the New, that will begin to speak through you or speak to you and help us to get out of this state. I made a mess of me. Amen. Well, God bless everyone. God bless you as you're turning there. Let me just look here and see. I like to honor folk. I know uh, Will's down here, Will and, and Aaron and uh, Emily Jamani were here in the first service. They all ran in a cross-country meet yesterday, three miles, so bless them. They did well. They did well, praise God. I like to honor our teenagers, and so that's a good thing. Let me see who else is here so we can honor. The lights hit me, so sometimes I can't see. I see you, John, you and Rita. Why don't you guys wave your hands right here? Hallelujah. They were married last Sunday night. Married them right here, so blessings to you. Enjoyed getting to be around, and we had a, a service right here and married them. And I, I want you guys to know, it was probably more beneficiary for me than you guys. I thoroughly enjoyed it, so God bless you. All right, 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel 9, and let's begin in verse number 1. It says, now David said, is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him the kindness for Jonathan's sake? I want to bless him for Jonathan's sake. And this is how God is with us. He wants to bless us for Jesus' sake. 
Verse 2, and there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, at your service. Then the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. Now, if you'll notice there, he doesn't stop there and says, there is a son. No, Ziba takes it upon himself to go ahead and describe this son. And he says, there's still a son who is lame in his feet. And so when I see Ziba's response to King David, I believe he's telling us that he's really unsuited for any importance. In other words, King, he's messed up because of this thing called life. And I really believe you don't want to waste your kindness, your goodness upon him. But look what goes on in verse 4. So the king said to him, where is he? Now I like that. You know what he's basically saying? I don't care what's wrong with him. I just want to know where he's at. And see, that's what Father God does to us. He says, where are they? I still love them. I still want to help them. So he said, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, indeed he is in the house of Meshir, the son of a mill in Lodibar. Then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Meshir, the son of a mill from Lodibar. And so you only, not only do you see that King David uh, accepted him, he sent for him and brought him out. And so I believe David right here is wanting to make it very clear that I'm still for him. That I still love him. And see, this is exactly how God feels about you and me today. God loves you. He's for you. He doesn't look at all your mistakes and, and says, I can't use them. I can't bless them. Verse number 5, or verse 6. Now when Mephibosheth, and this is this son who's lame, Mephibosheth, don't name your kids that. They'll never be able to spell it. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and he prostrated himself. And as I read this, many times you can look at it in two different ways. Did he fall on his face and prostrate himself because he was honoring David? Could be. But when you study the rest of the scripture, I believe he fell on his face and prostrated himself because of, of the feeling of guilt or shame. In other words, I'm not worthy enough, I'm not important enough to be here. I'm not good enough. And so when I look at these things, part of guilt is this, guys, I keep a record of all my wrongs. And if you're not careful, that's what your life will become, that you just have a continual, a, a record of all your wrongs. And with guilt comes two things. Extreme self-hatred and self-rejection. And before long, you'll begin to live a life with a poor self-image. Something's wrong with me. Something's wrong with me. And so I believe this is what was happening right here. That he had a sense of guilt and shame. Then David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, here's your servant. So David said to him, do not fear. Now guys, any time that you get over and have a, a conscious of guilt, fear is going to go with it. And I believe David sensed this about Mephibosheth. And so when you, when you look at all this, it's not based on, or our guilt many times is based on, what I've done or I haven't done. 
And before long, we walk around feeling guilty and guilty and beat up. And before long, it begins to attack our self-image. I'm not very good. I'm not a very good person. I'm not a very good man. I'm not a very good woman. I'm a horrible husband. I'm a horrible spouse. And see, this is how guilt begins to attack. So David recognizes here the sense of fear. But look what happens. He said, for I will show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. Now, David was saying something interesting here to him. He was saying, listen, Mephibosheth, it's not about what you've done or haven't done. It's about who you are. It's not about your do, it's about who. And he said, I want to bless you because of your father, Jonathan's sake. Well, see, that's what we fall under with King Jesus. Because of what Jesus done, Father God says, I want to bless you because of what Jesus has done. And many times as human beings, we say, oh, no, 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 you couldn't bless me. I've done all this wrong. Well, welcome to the crowd. Every one of us have done things wrong. But this is where we got to start living under what Jesus died for us to have. So he goes on to say, And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. You know what he's saying? I want to bless you. I want to take care of you. I like you. I approve of you. Acts 20, 32 says this, that God wants to grace you. He wants to build you up because you have an inheritance. And many of you don't believe that, but Jesus died to provide some things. Actually, John 10, 10 says, I came to give you life and that more abundantly. Jesus wants you to enjoy life, guys. Just like David wanted to bless this boy named Mephibosheth. Now, this next verse is the verse that really stands out in this whole passage. This verse says, I've made a mess of me. Now look what it says. Then Mephibosheth bowed himself. And he said, What is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? Now I look at that and I think, This is a person who has a poor self-image. Of himself. Now David didn't seem that way. And, and part of the other scripture said. How would you even notice me? How would you even regard me? And it's amazing how many people within our church. Have that same self image. We walk around with a feeling of guilt. With a feeling of shame. Because we're not good enough. We're not worthy. And many times it's because the things that's happened to us in life. And so many times we try to live behind a skirt. We try to hide things. And it's one of the greatest and oldest tricks of the devil, that thing of guilt and shame. You know, um, I guess I don't need my brother's permission to tell you guys this. He preaches about me every Sunday too, so I might as well tell you. But my brother growing up, and he's, he's pastored the same church now for 31 years. Bless him, Father God, bless him. You know, and that's, that's incredible to me to see how long he's done that. Especially me growing up and knowing him. That's even more remarkable. But when my brother was, was 17, before he got born again, he'd gotten a girl in high school pregnant out of wedlock. And she had a little girl. And so, you know, he gets born again and turns his life around. And this little girl has run under the radar for years and years and years and years and years. And one day she shows up. And she's now a teenager, an older teenager. 
And she comes back to the city where, where he's grown up, where he's pastoring at. And so a spirit of guilt and shame came on him so bad that he said this one night to me. He said, I am on the verge of resigning as the pastor here. He said, I don't want to put our church people through guilt or shame. And as I looked, I thought, every one of us in society have made mistakes. We made... So I said to him, I looked and I said, why don't you just stand before him and tell him the truth? Don't try to hide things. See, this is what the devil, remember last week, he tries to get us to cover things, to hide things, because we fret, oh no, what if people find out? And so that's what the devil kept speaking to him. What if the people in your church find out what you did? They'll fire you. They'll get rid of you. So I remember one night. It was a Wednesday night. And he got up in front of the church. And with tears in his eyes, he told them all about what had taken place. And the little girl that, that he had had, she was in the service and no one knew that. And so as he told everybody, he said, guys, I want you to know I'm on the verge of resigning. Because I don't want to shame any of you. And I'll never forget this night, that on the very back row, there's, a, there's an older black lady in the church. Many of you from Clovis remember Bertha Grant. But Bertha stood up. And began to applaud. And before long, the whole church stood up and applauded. And you know what that meant? Pastor, we've all made mistakes too. But I see how many times the devil tries to make us feel like old dead dogs. What's a dead dog worth? Nothing. I mean, you may see one on the way home today. And that may be the, the, the way your life has been defined. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to have success. See, right here, too many times, I believe we as human beings, we look at everything that's wrong with us, but we don't live through everything that's right with Jesus. That He said, I want to bless them. Remember last week in Colossians 2.10, the scripture that really stood out was, I have made you complete. And because of what Jesus, I'm complete. I don't have to live that old life of shame. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, that, that because of our sin, Jesus became sin that me and you may become the righteousness of God in Christ. Now that's not based on how good you've been. That's not based on how bad you've been. That's not based on how many chapters you read this week. That does not mean that if you have a Jesus bumper sticker on your car. It means that I am the righteousness of God in Christ because of what Jesus did for me. He died on that cross. He took all that for me. So you see right here that this young boy named Mephibosheth, because of the poor self-image, he says this to David. But look at verse 9, David's response. And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son... All that belonged to Saul and all to his house. And you know what I believe David is wanting to do there? David makes it very clear. I don't care what he looks like. I don't care how he smells. I don't care what he's done right or wrong in his life. He's covenant. He comes under the inheritance of God. Just like you and me because of the blood of Jesus. Now I'm going to go real quick here and go to the end of this chapter. 
to, to verse 13. And I want you to look at this. So Mephibosheth, he dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table. You know what that tells me? He said, all right, David, if you want to bless me, then go ahead. Go ahead and do it. I believe that's so important for us that we stand before God and look and say, I acknowledge what you did, Lord Jesus. And I thank you. Just bless me. Just give me all I can handle today. And look how it ends. And he was lame in both his feet. In other words, just because he had this certain condition, it did not stop him from being blessed to God. And I looked right here, his lameness to me and you would be like my weaknesses, my mistakes, my failures. But I want you to know, it doesn't matter. When I come under the blood of Jesus, guys, I'm covenant. I have an inheritance just like he did. Now go with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And I want to show you another passage here that's going to set some of you free this morning, I believe. You know, because of what Jesus did on the cross, you can like you. You can like being you. I encourage you to like you. Sometimes I believe that's very healthy for you to say, I like me because God created me. And some of you cringe at that thought. I believe some of you would rather me say, I hate myself. No, God created you and He created me. And so you know what? You can't be anybody than who you are, so you might as well start enjoying who you are. And enjoy life and say, thank you, Father God. You wonderfully and fearfully created me. You got plans for me. Even though you may have made a mess. Now this is a passage here of a guy named the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy 14, he said, I'm the chief sinner. I'm the worst sinner. You know what the message translation says? I am public sinner number one. Now this is a man who had repeatedly made huge choices in the area of mistakes. Over and over he did things that were horrible. But yet when I look, this is the very man who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. So you know what I see in this? This is a man who understood, I don't have to live in guilt. I don't have to live in shame. And I believe every time that guilt tried to come after Apostle Paul, you know what he knew? That because of the blood of Jesus, it said, not guilty. Not, I'm not guilty because of Jesus. Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now. Some of you need to highlight that word now. Because I believe a lot of times that we as believers, we think that everything that Jesus did is when we get to heaven. Well, heaven's going to be a wonderful place, but I'm not there yet. And when he said, there is therefore now, I believe he means right here in this time. There is therefore now no condemnation. The word condemnation means no sense of guilt or wrong. So the Apostle Paul, this guy who had made horrendous mistakes, who said, I'm the chief sinner, he makes this comment, There's there, now, there is therefore now no sense of guilt or wrong. Now get this. To those who are in Christ Jesus. How do I become in Christ Jesus? Well, you do Roman, what Romans 10, 9 and 10 says. You believe with your heart and you confess with your mouth and you invite Jesus to come into to, to your heart and be Lord and Savior. 
And that's how you become in Christ. You start letting Jesus live on the inside of you. And if that's happened for you, this is a promise that even shame and guilt can't override. Now look what it says here. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Those who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now when I walk according to my flesh, it's going to be based on my feelings. But when I walk according to the things of the Spirit, I realize the Holy Spirit on the inside of me empowers me. But also, man, you know the truth, the Word of God. The things of the Bible, man, they'll set you free. And so this is what he's talking about here. The message says this. Now listen to this. I don't have to live under a continuous, low-line cloud that seems to follow me everywhere I go. I don't have to live by a guilt trip, guys. I don't have to live miserable. I don't have to punish myself. Now, for years of my life, I had this cycle in my life, this pattern right here, that I remember I'd go to church on Sundays. Man, I'd be so full of God, the Word of God, and I'd go home, and it seemed like on Sunday afternoons, I would make a horrible choice, a horrible decision. So the rest of Sunday, I walked around on a guilt trip. Man, the devil would beat me up. And you know what he'd say to me? I can't believe that someone would go to church and do what you just did. And I'd begin to meditate on that, and it would wear me out. So all day Monday, and all day Tuesday, and all day Wednesday, I would walk around with my backpack on filled with guilt and shame. Day by day by day by day. And then Wednesday would come around, and I'd go to church, and I'd hear the Word, and I'd get free again. I'd begin to say, okay, God's forgiven me. I would go home, and you know what I'd do Thursday morning? I'd make a horrible choice. And so now the rest of Thursday, all day Friday, all day Saturday, I was on this cycle, and I'd go around with my backpack filled of guilt and shame, and before long, the week's over. And then I repeat the week, month after month after month after month, and you know what I figured out? That's a miserable way of existence. That when Jesus has already paid the price for you and paid the price for me. So I begin to realize, I don't have to live by guilt and shame. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So look at verse number 2, what it says next. It says, for the law of the Spirit. Now there's two laws here. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. So I realize this, even as a believer, I make the choice, am I going to live under the law of life in Christ Jesus? Or am I going to keep living under the law of sin and death? And so that's what I mean earlier when we started, when I said, you can see the promises of God, but still live in bondage. You can talk about the promised land and still live in the wilderness. Or I can begin to hook up and say, Okay, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. So in other words, when I live by Christ Jesus, man, I'm going to live by life. I'm going to live to the fullness. And you know what that means? I do not have to live by guilt. I do not have to live by shame. And when I looked at this, this was written by the Apostle Paul. Think about this. I don't know that there's anybody who's done repeatedly the, the bad things he did. 
But yet he understood freedom in Christ Jesus. That's what we got to all realize. Now go to the book of Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Understand this today. That you've been blood bought. You've been set free even from guilt and shame. You don't have to pay for your sins, guys. Jesus has already done it. See, if I had perfect behavior, I wouldn't need Jesus. So that's why i got to get over and begin to read the Scriptures. Let the Scriptures get on the inside of me. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. You're getting ready to get the icing on the cake this morning. I don't care what you've done in your life. Ooh, this, this, this will bless you this morning. Let this reside on the inside of you. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. The New International Version says, who has qualified you. Who's qualified you? The Father. What has He qualified you for? To be partakers or to share of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Now, when you're in Christ Jesus, guys, you got to realize this. You have an inheritance. You know, if you had an inheritance that, that came to you one time or was set aside maybe in a fund and you didn't know nothing about it, it would never benefit you. Well, that's the same as the inheritance of the kingdom that comes with Christ Jesus, that because what He did, you need to know about your inheritance. You want to see what your inheritance is? Look here, verse 13. He has delivered you, delivered us, delivered me. And I highlight the word, He has. You know what that tells me? He's already done it. So you know what my best expression can be? Thank you, Lord Jesus, you've delivered me. He has delivered us from where? From the, the power of darkness or the control and dominion of darkness... And He's conveyed or transferred us into the kingdom of His Son of love. Now get this. In whom we have our redemption through His blood, which means the forgiveness of sin. Now that's your inheritance right there, guys. Do you know what that tells me? You don't have to keep walking around in a continued in prison cell. And when you continue allow him to keep you in this invisible prison cell, you know what he'll tell you over and over because of guilt and shame? You're not good enough. You're not good enough to enjoy life. You're not in good enough to enjoy a successful life. And because of this, he tries to keep us with that poor self-image. But when I begin to realize what Jesus has done, he's delivered me. Out of the power of darkness. And he's, he's, he's translated me out of one realm. This realm of darkness. Into the realm of light. And not only that guys. I want you to see the word. That right there that he says. We have been redeemed through his blood. You know what that means? You've been repurchased. By the blood of Jesus. And there was a huge price that was paid for you and me already. It's a done deal. Jesus is not going to go back and die on the cross again. He did it once and for all. For you. For me. And like we talked about last week, there came a warranty with it that only Jesus could make. Not 90 days, same as cash. It was an eternal warranty. 
And as long as you're alive, you come under that. You know why? Because the blood of Jesus says, you're covenant. You're covenant. And so I don't care what type of mess you've made out of your life. Remember this. God loves you. And Jesus paid a huge price. And you don't have to live behind that covering of shame. You don't have to hide about around those things that you've did wrong. You can say, I thank you today, Lord Jesus. I thank you. I remember a couple of weeks ago, guys, I shared this with, me, with you. How many times in my own life I would hear the devil whisper to me, what will the people in this church do when they find out all those things you did wrong? Man, I used to live in fear that you guys would find out and you'd think, dear God, how could God use someone like him? Well, I used to wonder that too. But then when I studied the Apostle Paul and I realized, you know what, he can't shame me when I expose everything. So I really don't have any secrets, guys. You know that pastor, before he was born again, he was messed up. And I like to say this, Paul says he was the chief sinner, I ran him a close race. But I thank God because of the blood of Jesus, I can stand here before you today and say, I live life to its fullest. I enjoy life, and it's not because I'm some superhero, guys. I don't get dressed in a phone booth. But oh, when I learn to wear the blood of Jesus, and I speak the name of Jesus, and realize, you know what He's done? I've been qualified today. And if Jesus qualified me, you know what? I'm going to live life to its best and its fullest. Stand on your feet with me today. I don't care what's, what's happened in your life. And see, what we allow many times is one of our mistakes to entitle our whole life. That becomes my identity. That becomes my identity. And many of you right here in this room today, you assume that everything you've done in your life has always been your fault. Some of you here today, you assume because your marriage is in the situation it is, it's your fault. Some of you assume because the way your children turned out or didn't turn out, that it's your fault. Some of you assume, 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 assume. Quit assuming. You know what I found out in life? You can do everything to your best of your ability right, and people still choose to do wrong. And so I like to say it this way. If the horse is dead, dismount. Get off him. Quit trying to ride those dead things. Quit trying to resurrect your past. Just get off the horse and start living life and say, Okay, Lord Jesus, today I'm going to let you come on the inside of me. And yeah, I may have made a mess of my previous life. From now on, I'm going to live by the life of Christ Jesus. I get tickled because many times when I'm speaking, when I speak, I, I can see in the light my spit. And you on the front row, that's just the anointing. That's just the anointing. Why I say that? Because I saw it. I can see some of your eyes like, dear Lord. <laughs> that doesn't bother me a bit. It doesn't bother me a bit. Bow your head.